Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church. A couple housekeeping things for New Hope if you're part of New Hope Community Church. Uh, Dave and Megan Adams will be here this Sunday. We'll be excited to see them. They'll be here actually the next three Sundays. This week they're asking to keep some distance. They're flying in from the Dominican Republic. So uh, they want to see you and they're going to give an update and wave to you, but no hugs this week. But next week you'll be able to connect with them. And they'll be here for three weeks. Also, 40 Days for Life is starting. New Hope Community Church has taken October 22nd time slot. See Terry Noble if you can sign up for one of those prayer slots for that. And then schedule. I want to just go over a few scheduling things. Next week, I will be on vacation. Uh, I'll be away. And my son, Nate, will be preaching. I know a lot of you will be excited to hear him. Uh, so then November 1st, we're going to be moving inside. Unless it gets colder sooner, we're going to wait until November 1st to meet inside. We'll be at the St. Martin's School, the school on the St. Martin's property. Really appreciate them opening their doors to us, and we'll be meeting. They have a great location, big spacious room. Uh, we're going to have a great spot to meet where we can do some distancing if you're more comfortable with that. So that will be starting on November 1st, 10 o'clock in the morning, just like usual. A couple birthday shout-outs, Lynn Quigley. Jim Davis, a couple birthdays, and at a big anniversary, Jim and Linda Conover, 55 years. Congratulations, Jim and Linda. Uh, that's awesome. So today, the title for today is The Coming Famine in the U.S. The co- Coming Famine in the U.S., although it's already here, as we're going to see today. 2 Kings 6, 24 to 29. Since I went on vacation, I've done a couple weeks vacation together because of uh, the coronavirus, couldn't travel and all that, so we're jamming them in here in the fall. But since uh, just being away just last week on a vacation, things have gotten even crazy. In just one week, things have gotten even crazier in just the past week. Now, remember, I have said for years, the USA is not in the book of Revelation. We are nowhere to be found. We can find Russia. We can find China. We can find the Muslim coalition, the nations. We can find so many. We can find the European Union, uh, the revived Roman Empire. We can find all these, but we're nowhere to be found. Where do we go? So close to the second coming of Jesus Christ, we can see all the signs, the contrast, the birth pains, we're getting very close. Where do we go? One very good option is we don't go anywhere. We just break up. We just divide up into the divided states of America. And that's a very good chance that we're going to be fractured and divided in many different little countries. That's a really, really good chance. Just look at what we've seen in the past week. The Supreme Court battle with, with uh, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away and the, the new justice nominated by President Trump and the the battle that that has set off. We're just getting started. We saw it in the debates. Oh, you talk about division. A lot of people are like, oh, it was so bad, the debates, so much fighting. That's a picture. That is a picture of our country. As I'm watching, I'm like, this is the USA on display. This is what our country looks like, completely divided. And now President uh, Trump has coronavirus, another crazy thing, but we're also seeing more division from that. People saying, let's pray for our president. Others saying, I hope he dies. It's it's crazy, the the, the division and the, the, the... Division. I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, it, it, it's sad that people make those comments. But anyway, uh, but it's, it's, it's crazy. Now, listen to my online prophecy series, Making Sense of Our Crazy World. I'm already up into, I went through Mark 13 and Matthew uh, 24 and then through Daniel and I'm now in starting Revelation. But listen to that because we, there's so many dots that we connect, con- that, so many dots that we can connect, connect 
the dots. The USA is facing unprecedented times. We are facing crazy, insane times. But I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked I've been waiting for this. Not waiting in pins and needles, waiting for it that way, but waiting for the other shoe to drop. I've been waiting for this. In fact, I was just preparing for my, um, I was just preparing for my home fellowship. Uh, we're doing a study through the books of the Bible in my, our home fellowship that we have. And we just hit the book of Jeremiah and I pulled out my Jeremiah file and I was looking at it and I, and I saw a sermon that I preached over 25 years ago on the book of Jeremiah. And as I was briefing it and reading, I was like, huh! I couldn't believe what I had preached on and what I had, 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 had said about it. It was all there. It was like what I said was going to happen to the USA if we didn't repent. I said, repent. There has to be revival or judgment. There's the only two options, revival or judgment. And as I laid out what would happen in the United States, it was like reading the news. First of all, I talked about the terrorist attack. This was before 9-11, well before that. And then I also talked about what would happen, that there would be riots and the country would be divided up. It was like reading the news of today or watching the news of today. It, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, it, it, it's all laid out in God's Word. God's warning and judgments are all laid out. About the only thing we are missing right now from the judgment list is war and famine. War and famine. We are only one push of the button away from war. One push of the button, and this during a time when we are pushing the buttons for Russia and China, we're pushing their buttons. I don't know why, there's certain groups pushing those buttons. It's crazy, but they are. And, and, but we are one push of the button away from war or a terrorist attack. And there can, there, there could be a terrorist attack that will make 9-11 look like nothing, look like child's play. And it could even be an internal terrorist attack come from inside the United States, um, homegrown terror and but so war is one of the things missing but the other one is famine famine now we already got a glimpse of famine during the coronavirus shutdown when the shelves remember you go to the store and the, the shelves were empty you couldn't even get toilet paper and we got a, a picture of that just a little glimpse of what it could look like someday there's been an intense drought in the south West going on for years and the effect is really starting to take a toll, water included, out, out in the West. Iowa, millions and millions of acres were flattened, uh, of corn and soybean were flattened. That's going to affect food prices. That's going to affect a lot of things. There's going to be a, a domino effect coming. Uh, famine could happen at any time. Lots of the world is already experiencing it, but it could happen here in the United States anytime. I tell people, prepare. Be prepared for an emergency. Get the get the food buckets. Get the water filters. Uh, like in the days of Noah, be prepared physically and spiritually. Spiritually prepared. That's what my whole prophecy ser- series online is all about. If you haven't started that, I want to encourage you. It's all being prepared. We are going to see a fi- famine story today in Second Kings six from the life of Elisha, and this is not just a warning. Uh, not, not, we got a little while, buddy. Okay, uh, Josh is gonna. Uh, Josh is coming in. He's gonna help me with the ending of the sermon. So I was just letting him know we've got a little ways to go. I had a little mic problem. I had to restart it. So anyway, uh, I forgot the mic. Getting old, getting old. All right. So we uh, we're gonna see a famine story here in Second Kings six, life of Elisha. And this is not just a warning of a physical famine. This is a warning of a spiritual famine. Remember, the Old Testament is a picture of a New Testament spiritual reality. And I believe we are seeing that in the USA today 
right now. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that in this crazy, crazy world, we have your word. We are not caught unaware. We're not shocked by anything if we're in your word. And I pray that each one of us would be in your word and would would be prepared, not just physically prepped, but far, far, far more importantly, spiritually prepped. I pray that if anybody here who's listening to this has never put their faith in Jesus yet, given their life to him, that today, this moment would be the day. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's pick it up where we were in 2 Kings 6. And here we go, 2 Kings 6, 24 to 29. 24 to 29. Sometime later, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mobilized his entire army and marched up and laid a siege to Samaria. There was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cab of seed pods for five Shekels. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, Help me, my lord, the king. The king replied, If the Lord does not help you, where can I get help for you? From the threshing floor? From the wine press? Then he asked her, What's the matter? She answered, This woman said to me, Give up your son so we may eat him today, and tomorrow we'll eat my son. So we cooked my son and ate him. The next day I said to her, Give up your son so we may eat him. But she had hidden him. Ooh, this is going to get interesting. First of all, verse 24. <laughs> Here we go. Sometime later, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mobilized his entire army and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. Why were they attacked again? Why were they attacked again? Why did Benny, remember I called him Benny, Ben-Hadad, why did, were they invaded by Benny again after the raids had already stopped? Remember, we had already seen how the king... Uh, we had already seen how the king had been m- miraculous, uh, miraculously delivered from these traps. We saw that. We saw that Israel was spared from the raids from Ben-Hadad. We saw that. We just finished that, right? Through Elisha's prayers. Through Elisha's prayers. But in, in, in those, Elisha is a representative of us. Elisha is a picture of the apostles. And, and by extension, us. Our prayers have an impact, right? But instead of repenting, King Joram and Israel went right back to Baal worship and child sacrifice. To child sacrifice. Went right back to it. Even though God had spared the king, miraculously, even though he had spared Israel from these raids and these attacks, instead of repenting, the king and Israel went right back to Baal worship and the sacrifice of babies. That's what they went right back to. Now, once again, Elisha is a type of the apostles and us. And we, like Elisha, are praying for the USA today. We're praying for them. Uh, we're we're praying, praying that our country would turn back. We're praying that we'd be spared of the judgments that are coming. Uh, I don't, uh, D.C., Washington, D.C., Josh just got back from D.C. He'll be sharing a little bit of that later. He just got back. But the two big events, he was there for the two big events, the return with Jonathan Kahn and then the Franklin Graham's prayer march were last Saturday. What? You didn't see it on the news? Wow, unless you watched... I think it was on one news channel. and uh, It wasn't on the news. What a shock. But lots of people, probably about 100,000 people between the two events converged together. It was very, very exciting. But it was no accident that the 
no accident. These events were planned long ago, foreign events, but it was no accident that on the day that these two groups met in D.C. for prayer and, a, and repentance and, and praying for our country to turn back to God was the same day that the president nominated a pro-life Supreme Court justice. There's no accident that this all converged on the same day because abortion is killing us. Not just killing babies, it's killing our country. I have been praying fervently that God would would give us a chance on the Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade and save babies' lives, millions of babies' lives. And specifically, I pray that God would replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I never prayed for her to die. Never. I said, God, please retire her. I still pray that you would save her, that she would turn to Jesus Christ and give her life to Jesus. That was my prayer. I prayed for her salvation, and I prayed that you would retire her. That's why I prayed. But God did really retire her. Uh, she, he, he brought her, took her, took her off this earth. And, and the thing that about RBG was that she was determined to hang on and outlast President Trump. <clears throat> she made that very clear. And she wanted to do that to protect Roe versus Wade. She wanted to protect abortion. Even though when she came on the Supreme Court, look it up, she knew that Roe was a bad decision. She said that was a bad decision. It should have never gone to, uh, to federal law. It should have been left with the state. She said it's going to cause too much division. It should have been left in the states. She knew it was a bad ruling. But even though she knew it was a bad ruling, she still protected it, fought for it tooth and nail. But, even though she said, I'm going to outlast this guy and wait for the next president, the true Supreme Court judge ruled against her. That's right. The soup, there's a true Supreme Court. It's not in the United States. There's a true Supreme Court in heaven. And there's one judge, one justice sitting on that court. And now, RBG has stood before the true judge of the universe, has stood before and she is not R.I.P. I've seen so many R.I.P. R.B.G.s. Even Christians posting, people who claim to be Christian, posting R.I.P. R.B.G. I'm like, how can you as a Christian post that? That, that is delusional. She is, she is not resting in peace. She rejected Jesus Christ. And she has the blood of 30 million babies on her hands. That's how many were killed on her watch. And, and, it's, and it's too late to pray for her to rest in peace. It's too late for her and her soul. But we can still, and I'm telling you honestly, that is the truth according to God's word. Whoever has a son has life. Whoever rejects a son will not see life for God's wrath remains on him. And it's not just RBG. It's you. It's me. Anyone who rejects Jesus Christ faces God's wrath. Just this man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. The Word of God says in, in Hebrews. And, and so, it's not, it's too late to pray for her soul. I see certain people, well-meaning people, Catholics, I'm going to just say right up, the Catholics praying for her soul. You know, it's too late. There is no purgatory. It's too late. There is heaven or hell, just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. It's too late. But it's not too late for you. If you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's not. As long as you're breathing, it's not too late. Thief on the cross, his last dying breath, 
Remember me when you come to your kingdom. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. It's not too late for you to give your life to Jesus Christ. And it's not too late for the USA today. It's not too late. Our prayers can make a difference. And now is the time to pray. Now more than ever, we have the chance to save babies. And by saving these babies, we have a chance to save the USA today. I've talked about this many times. Child sacrifice to Baal, abortion, the, the connection. Now that is God's last final straw. And He finally judges a country is, is when, they, when they were sacrificing babies. You can see See it in the Bible over and over again. Uh, Malik, Baal, unbelievable. But we finally have a chance for this country. Our prayers make a difference that God would hold off on His judgment and give the U.S. another chance. Give us another chance. But if we don't take this chance, and I'm talking to the church, if we don't take this chance to, to really fight for these babies. We don't take a chance to really repent of a, as a country for many sins. The ultimate one really being re- rejecting Jesus. And the second worst one is, is killing these babies. But there's so many other sins in our country. There, if we don't take this chance, there comes a time when we cross the line of grace. When an uh, individual or a country crosses the line of grace. Just like Israel did. Just like Judah ultimately did. And let's look what happens to Israel in verse 25. Listen to what happens. As the king... Uh, verse 25. There was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cab of seed pods for five shekels. The, they were under siege. And they were in an incredible famine. So bad that donkey's heads were, were a hot item, were a valuable hot item. Donkey's heads. I remember growing up on the farm, we would butcher cows and all the neighbors would come over and we'd have these butchering parties. <laughs> you know, I have no idea what my life was like. And they would butcher the cow. We'd put the cow to sleep. <laughs> and they'd hang it up. They'd have a tractor bucket lifted up the cow by the, the legs and they'd lift it up and they'd cut the cow's head off. Uh, they they cut the head off first, and then they'd all everybody dig in and start butchering and stuff. But the, the, while the adults were all butchering this cow, here's this cow head. They throw us the cows at this big cow. And all the kids, we would play with it. That was our toy for them. It would keep us out of trouble, keep them away from the tractor and away from the cow and away from the meat. And we, I remember we'd all be playing with this cow head for the next couple hours. We'd have sticks and, you know, well, I'm not going to go into it, but it was a, a biology class. Way before you think pissing frogs was exciting, you have no idea what it was like to have a cow's head all to yourself with a group of kids. But anyway, the we would do that, but we would not eat it. That was disgusting. That was gross. We don't even think about eating the cow's head. But this is what they were doing, eating a donkey's head. This was the last part of the body that was disgusting and probably rotting and, and they would pay lots of money for it. That's how bad this family got. Not only that, but also they talked about the doves and the real word for the doves, cab, I don't know what they give in the, this version says cab. The real word is dung. The, the Hebrew word is dung. This is the doves dung because what would happen is the doves would poop and they would collect that poop and inside the poop there were seeds because the birds would poop out the seeds, right? That's how you get 
all these bushes and berries, bushes growing everywhere. The birds eat the seeds, eat the berries, and they poop out the seeds, and they, they plant stuff all over the place. They spread this stuff. And that's what happened is they would get the, the dove poop, and they would pick out the seeds, and they would eat that, and that was valuable. You know, once you get on the farm, the cows would poop, and they would eat corn, and they would poop, and there would be this, you know, manure with, you'd see these pieces of corn in it, and, and different birds and different things would come along, and, and you know, eat the corn and eat it out of that and and that was considered you know tasty to them but could you imagine going up to that manure and picking out the corn and eating that's what they were doing that's how bad the famine was it was it was it was disgusting but they were desperate in fact they were so desperate i'm going to read this again although i don't want to verse 26 as the king of israel was passing by on the wall a woman cried to him help me my lord the king the king replied if the Lord does not help you, where can I get help from you? From the threshing floor? From the wine press? Then he asked, what's the matter? She answered, this woman said to me, give up your son so you may eat him today and tomorrow we'll eat my son. So he cooked my son and ate him. The next day I said to her, give up your son so you may eat him. But she had hidden him from me. Woo! They're even eating their babies. Their babies. And God's message to them was very clear here. You want to roast you want to sacrifice your children? You want to roast them? They would do it in the fire to, to Moloch or to Baal. You want to roast your babies? I'm going to make you cook and eat them now. And he had, he had warned them long, hundreds of years before he had warned them. Leviticus 26. Listen with the warning that God gives the Israelites if they were to turn away from him and turn to the demonic idols and, and worship demons instead. In Leviticus 26.23, it says this, if in spite of all these things you do not accept my correction but continue to be hostile toward me, I myself will be hostile toward you and will afflict you for your sins seven times over. And I will bring the sword upon you to avenge the breaking of the covenant. When you withdraw into your cities, I will send a plague among you and, I, and you will be given into enemy hands. Are you connecting the dots here? When I cut off your supply of bread, ten women will be able to bake your bread in one oven and they will dole out the bread by weight. You will eat, but you will not be satisfied. In spite of this, you... In, if in spite of this you do still do not listen to me, but continue to be hostile toward me, then in my anger I will be hostile toward you, and I myself will punish you for your sins seven times over. You will eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters. You will eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters. I will destroy your high places, cut down your incense altars, and pile your dead bodies on the lifeless forms of your idols, and I will abhor you. You will eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters, which is exactly what we see them doing here. Uh, also in Deuteronomy 28, in Deuteronomy 28, verse 53, another parallel judgment where it says, because of the suffering that your enemy will inflict on you during the siege, you will eat the fruit of the womb, the flesh of the sons and daughters the Lord God has given you, even the most gentle and sensitive man among you will have no compassion on his own brother or the wife he loves or his surviving children. He will not give to one of them any of the flesh of his children that is eating. It will be all he has left because of the suffering your enemy will inflict on you during the siege of all your cities. The most gentle and sensitive woman among you, so sensitive and gentle that she would not venture to touch the ground with a silver foot, will begrudge the husband she loves and her womb 
and her own son or daughter, the afterbirth from her own womb and the children she bears, for she intends to eat them secretly during the siege and in the distress that your enemy will inflict on you in your cities. If you do not carefully follow all the words of this law which are written in this book and do not revere this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God... Uh, it's promised. What we're seeing here is promised. And that's exactly what happened. God's judgment promised in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28 clearly promised in God's law. And we see that exactly what happened starting here in 2 Kings 6. We see it happening. Later on, when the Assyrians come and take Israel, it happens in greater intensity. And then the Babylonians come and take Judah because they won't repent. And finally, when Rome takes, wipes out Israel for the final time, 2,000 years ago, and it's back again, 1948, it's back. But when the, Rome finally took them out, it was the worst yet. Everything that God had warned them about came true. Then turning to idols, them rejecting the Messiah, Jesus Christ, it all came true. Down to the last detail, even eating their babies. But that couldn't happen here. In the USA today, that couldn't possibly happen here. Except it already is happening. It already is happening. We already kill a million babies a year. We burn them. We rip them apart. We kill them even when they're born. Partial birth, abortion, legs, arms, leave the head in, scissors, suction out the brain, sick. But even now when they're born alive, the president had to pass a, uh, an executive order last week protecting babies that are born alive. Even when they're born alive, they let them die or they kill them. It's unthinkable. And, and, and we are now even eating these babies. We're absorbing them. We're ingesting them in many ways. You say, what are you talking about? Stem cells. All these years we've been taking their stem cells into our bodies to find healing for ourselves. Killing babies. Taking their, stem, their cells and injecting them into our own bodies so that we can carry on this pathetic life a little bit longer. Right? It, it's sick. Uh, but now it's even more and grown into something even worth selling the baby's parts. Now, this has been going a long time. I, I've known it's been going a long time. Everybody knows not Anybody who's got eyes to see who isn't spiritually blind knows it's been going a long time. But it's finally been exposed. They're in California, they, this guy, under investigative reporter, did an underground expose of Planned Parenthood showing how that they take the babies and, and they, and as they're, before they even abort them, they're very careful of how they kill them or how they take them out or even bring them out alive and then they cut them open and take out the different body parts that they want to use for research or for medical purposes to help us inject, use them and in, in grow, grow the liver or whatever and, and give it to an adult so that they can keep on drinking, you know, or using their drugs, it, 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 whatever. It, it's sick selling the body parts so this 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 group did this underground expose investigative reporters and they brought out the findings they showed the videos clearly showing them these people planned parenthood selling to these biotech companies baby parts that they've harvested by killing these babies it's sick 
It's sick. So what did what did California do? It's in California. What did they do? They arrested the reporters. They fined them. They tried to put them in jail. They tried to squelch all the evidence. They, they're still fighting this battle. They're still fighting. They arrested and prosecuted them. Misused, perverted the laws of California to attack the investigative reporter. Not Planned Parenthood. The investigative reporter. It's sick. This, the Attorney General of California was brutal with them and is still working them over. But And guess what the name of the Attorney General in California who did this despicable act? Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. Yes, yes, elections have consequences. Elections have consequences. That's why we're handing out voter guides at church. If you haven't got a, a copy of the pro-life voter guide, we don't care about gun control. I, I, I don't care. I mean, do I care? I care. But we don't hand out a, a thing on gun control or taxes or, you know, any of these types of things. Uh, no. The only voter guide that we hand out is the pro-life saving the babies because that is the line in the sand. That is God's judgment is coming. The final judgment is coming from that. And and elections have consequences. I, I go Christians. People claim they're Christians. I, I have my doubts uh, who say, oh, you know, I, you know I, I can vote for someone who believes abortion is okay. Someone like a Kamala Harris. I can vote for them because that's just one issue. I'm like, well, what if that one issue was slavery? Would you vote for that one, that person who believed in slavery? Oh, no, I could never vote for somebody who believed in slavery. Oh, yeah? Oh, so it, it's, they, they believe in slavery, so that disqualifies them, but not killing a baby. What's worse? It's even worse than slavery, if anything could be. It's even worse than slavery. It's so hypocritical. You, you, when a, someone who claims to be a Christian tells me that, they just show me that they're either not a Christian either not a Christian, they're fake, a fraud, or they are a carnal, worldly Christian whose mind has been conformed to the world. I'm not saying you have to vote for someone just because they're pro-life, but I'll say you better not be voting for someone who's pro-death, who's pro-abortion. You better not be doing that. Because uh, that, that is, you talk about God's judgment. It's unbelievable the, the blindness that is there on um, people who even claim to be Christian, which once again, I have my doubts. I have my doubts. Uh, and, and so the the it, 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 elections have consequences, and we see what California is doing. And I'm just going to start with California. It's a whole country. California is doing these horrible things to babies, and 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 and, def, and their attorney general Kamala Harris attacked the people, persecuted the people that brought out the truth. And now what we're seeing in California are these incredible wildfires unprecedented, historic wildfires. Listen, and now we're seeing earthquakes breaking out. But the wildfires alone, mark my words, these are just the beginning for you, California. These are just the beginning for the whole country. These are just the beginning. This is God's judgment. Listen, I'm sorry, Nancy Pelosi, but Mother Nature is not angry. This is not just climate climate change, which, by the way, even if it is man-made, it's still God's control, complete control. But I think there's a lot more pieces to it. Uh, but sorry, Nancy Pelosi, Mother Nature is not angry. Father God is the angry one. Father God is angry. And and it's crazy. I saw the pictures of out, out in the West, the, the 
the moon was blood red because of the smoke and during the day the, the, the sun was blotted out. It was so dark and it reminded me of Joel 2. The sun would be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming day of the Lord and, and, and the day of His judgment. And, it, and, it, and, and I'm not saying this is here right now but it's a picture. It's another birth pain and it's another contraction. That's what it's going to be like for the whole earth when, when just before Jesus comes in the day of the Lord. Now, let's connect some dots to the U.S. Let's really connect some dots to the USA today. Let's connect them. Uh, and, and we're going to stop right here. Now, in the next few weeks, we're going to see God's amazing grace. In spite of this horrible famine, in spite of the persecution, we'll see the next time. The time we have that, we're going to see God's amazing grace. But first, we must face His law. There must be a repentance and, of, of breaking His law. And I'm going to connect the dots to the USA today because the famine also has a spiritual fulfillment. Remember, Everything in the Old Testament is a physical picture of a New Testament spiritual reality. So not only are we facing a physical famine possibility here, but we are even worse, we are facing a spiritual famine. A spiritual famine. The USA today, we are already in a famine. We haven't hit the, the physical one yet, but we are in the spiritual famine. That is a picture. This is a picture of what we are already experiencing spiritually. In fact, in Amos 8, in Amos 8, verse 11, it says this. Now listen to this. The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine throughout the land. Not a famine of, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. And that day the lovely young women and strong young men will faint because of thirst, spiritual thirst. Remember that young men, young women thirsting, not having the word. Remember that. I'm come back to that in a minute. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine throughout the land. Not a, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. We are seeing this happen. A spiritual famine is a sign of God's judgment on a nation. And he's, he's saying, since you keep rejecting my word, I'm not going to send it to you anymore. I'm not going to give it to you anymore. It's like a, a mom who cooks meals. Or sometimes Kim will be like, I'm not cooking food anymore. I make this nice meal and nobody stays for dinner. They all plan something else, you know. Or I make this nice meal and everybody doesn't eat it. I'm just going to cook French toast, you know. I'm not going to do this anymore. They all eat that at least. And, and that's what God is saying. You're not going to eat what I cook. You're not going to eat my word. Then you're not going to get anymore. I'm not going to cook anymore. I'm not going to feed you anymore. And that is exactly what has happened. The USA today is experiencing a spiritual famine. No doubt about it. Those who are a little older, <coughs> me, almost 60, <coughs> we're seeing the difference. 90% of what is preached on TV and on the radio is, is false teaching. <laughs> Health, wealth, poison is what it is. It, it, you know, find your best life now. It's false teaching. It's manure. Growing up on the farm, I have other words for it, but that's what it is spiritually. Uh, it, it's hard to find Bible-believing, gospel-preaching churches today. I, as people move, and I help them find a place in another area, it, I, sometimes it takes us a long time to find a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church that's really faithful to the Word. It's really getting harder and harder all the time. There be, used to be lots of churches that, that preached the Word and believed the Word. It's getting harder and harder. Uh, even evangelicals are dropping like flies. Evangelicals are, are falling left and right. A, a few preach a, a few preach the Word. 
but most don't. Few preach, uh, so many don't preach the word because their goal is success. I'm talking about evangelicals who know better, who believe the word, but they don't preach it because their goal is success. George Barna survey, the two main criteria that pastors in the USA use for, for their church now is how many people are showing up and how much money do they have. Not disciples from Jesus, not sharing their faith, not holiness, not knowing the word, having a biblical worldview, none of that. No, no. It's how many people showed up to the church and how much money came in that week. That is their success. And as a result, it, 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 it's, 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 there's so much functional false teaching. They don't preach the full word of God. R.C. Sproul, R.C. Sproul, uh, best-selling author, tremendous Bible teacher. He wrote, he wrote lots of Bible studies that sell lots of copies. Pastors use them in their churches. And he wrote one on abortion. But it flopped. Nobody bought it. And so he went to the pastors and he did a survey. He said, why aren't you buying this book that I did on abortion? Why not? And you know what the pastor said to R.C. Sproul? <clears throat> well, we can't use it in our church because it would cause a church split. <laughs> what? Preaching that abortion is a sin will cause a church split? You don't have a church. You have a country club. Pal, you know that—that that is unfaithful shepherds. Those are you, false churches. It, it's unbelievable. I know at our church, New Community Church, I had to make the decision right from the get-go. I had to make twenty started the church twenty years ago. I had to decide success or failure. Success or failure. I had to make that decision because because I'm going to have to stand before God someday. When I say failure by the world standards, it's easy to grow a big church. Simple. Plug in certain things and you can grow it. But you've got to leave out the Word of God. The whole, full Word of God. The true Word of God. Uh, and, and, and I had to make that decision. But I knew I have to stand before God someday. I'm accountable for God. And I'd rather have a small, Bible-believing, Christ-honoring church than have this big, fake, false church and be a false shepherd. Which is what the majority of evangelical pastors are today. Today. We are seeing... The effect of our of this unfaithful ministry, we are seeing the effect of our spiritual famine today in the USA today. Our young people are brainwashed by the world. Completely brainwashed. They're leaving for college and leaving their faith behind. Why? Because they've been brainwashed by the world. They've been sucked in by the world. Parents, we must battle for our children from the time they're young till the, till the, till the time they're adults. We have to battle for them. We have to pray for them. We have to engage with them. We have to fight for them tooth or nail. We have to persevere. We have to be very careful, you know, where we send them to college. We have to know each kid is different. We have to know them and know their vulnerabilities and be careful where we send them. And if we do send them wherever, wherever we send them, even a Christian couch, we better be engaged with them. Only 2% of millennials today have a biblical world view. Think about that. You know why they're all young Christians, so-called Christians are disappearing? They don't have a biblical worldview. Only 2%. What's a biblical worldview? Here it is, Barna says. It, it, it's defined as including believing that absolute truth exists and that such truth is defined by the Bible as well as a firm belief in six specific religious views. Those views are that Jesus lived a sinless life, God is the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe, and he still rules it today. Salvation is a gift from God and cannot be earned. Satan is real. A Christian has a responsibility to share their faith in Christ 
with others, and the Bible is accurate in all of its teachings. Basic, right? 2% of millennials have a biblical world view. Do you have a biblical worldview? I'm talking to everybody now. Adults, millennials, everybody. Do you have a, a biblical worldview? Are you in the Word? Are you studying it? You know what the percentage for all Americans is? 6%. Odds are, a lot of you don't have one. And this is basic. This is even the deeper things that we should be involved in. This is milk, really. Uh, but, but, only 6%. Are you, do you have a biblical worldview? If you don't have one, you better get it. Are you passing it on to your kids? Are you passing it on to them? Are, are, you, are you being faithful with your children? It's not easy. You have to persevere. You have to be totally engaged. You can't, like I said, you can't just send them off to college and, and hope for the best. You can't just throw them into a youth group or Sunday school and hope for the best. We have to be completely engaged and fight for them tooth and nail. We can't just send them off the couch and think everything's going to be okay. We have to know our kids and know where we should send them and, and what they can handle. We have to know them and do that. Do you realize that we are in a spiritual battle? That we are in a spiritual warfare? My son Josh is going to wrap this up for me. He just got back from D.C. and he saw the spiritual battle up close. So I'm going to let him uh, put the, the, the exclamation mark on this sermon. So Josh, why don't you just come on over here and... Get clipped on. We're still here. Okay. What do I do? This just go in my shirt. Yeah. Just, just go in my shirt. Yes. Okay. Can you just? Okay. So. Yeah. Um. So yeah, all those statistics that he was just claiming, um, anyone who's gone out evangelizing with me or Chuck or anything like that, those are absolutely true. And probably up here in the north where we are, it's probably even less than 2% or less than 6%, whatever. Um, I talk to a lot of people who go to like churches like Joel Osteen's church and they're like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian and all these like uh, kids who go to Catholic school. And I'm like, oh yeah, so you're, you, you believe in the Bible, you believe in all this stuff. And most of the kids who go to Catholic school are like, I don't even know what the Bible says. They don't teach us anything. Or I wasn't paying attention in class or, you know, whatever. And the people who go to Joel Osteen's churches and stuff, I'll be like, well, are you going to heaven? Or like, how do you know you're going to heaven? And they'll be like, well, I'm a good person. And I'm like, well, how do you go to church? At, well, I, I understand why they go, or why they think that if they go to Joel Osteen's church. But how do you go to church and think that you're going to heaven because you're a good person? So, I mean, anyone, like I said, anyone who comes out with me knows that this is what what they'll what they'll say to you, even if they claim to be a Christian. So, like he said, we were just in D.C. Um, we went for two reasons. One of them was the prayer walk, um, the Franklin Graham one, and the other one was RBGs here, or what do they call it, the, uh, the wake or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, people were coming to pay their respects to, to her um, outside of the Supreme Court. So that's where we ended up setting up, and we were preaching nearby the Supreme Court. And... We had gotten there maybe like 20, 30 minutes, and we were just playing music, and he was reading some psalms, almost like you would see at a funeral. And, you know, people weren't necessarily against it immediately, um, but once he mentioned the word Jesus, immediately, like you could just see everyone would just like look at him, like, what was that? What did you just say? And then 
this guy comes over and he sets up on about like a hundred feet down the road and he has a like you could just tell this guy was was a problem right away he had a shirt on that said i am jesus he had this cart that was covered in all sorts of political statements um and you could tell pretty quickly after he started talking that he he was demon possessed there was something wrong with this guy he was not normal um eric the guy i go out with um street preaching with he said that he had seen this guy before and he knew he was going to be a problem and we were considering leaving because he was yelling at us cursing at us cursing at everyone in the crowd like just saying the most atrocious things about trump about the bible about god all these things and calling us liars we're, we're literally just reading the psalms and he's saying like those are lies those are like like all this it was really really bad and um like i said we were planning on leaving but we I had seen a guy there um, outside the Supreme Court. He was I knew he was a believer because I talked to him earlier. He came up and like was talking to me while Eric was preaching, and he's like, "I've seen this before. I've seen demon possession. I've seen what it does. And don't leave. Don't run away. What I want you to do is play music, play it louder, play the you know whatever um, Amazing Grace. Play that, play that, and he'll he'll stop. He'll shut up for a little while." And that's what happened. We played the music. Eric started reading more psalms. He started preaching a little bit more. And it was actually really amazing because we're praying for this guy to shut up. We're like, we need this guy to stop because he's like just rude and annoying and whatever. But it was really amazing. God did not stop him from talking. I think God actually made him louder because he was saying all sorts of terrible things. And, and the crowd, the RBG crowd, who's waiting in line to see her body, you know, to pay their respects and all this stuff. They started telling him to shut up instead of us. When, when, like I said earlier, when we were preaching Jesus earlier, they were telling us to shut up. They were coming up and yelling at us and all this stuff. But after he started getting loud and he said all these horrible things and he was like typical, all these leftist talking points like defund the police, Black Lives Matter, and just yelling at us and yelling at the Bible, it was actually amazing that that crowd that would typically be on his side was telling him to shut up because he was just being so loud and disrespectful. So... That's just like a taste of what is is happening out in the world right now. He was talking about um, the famine for the word, famine for the word. Well, if you go out and, and you're preaching or if you're out there and evangelizing, you see the famine. You see, you see people are starving. They're looking for anything to fill that spiritual hole that everyone has. They're looking for anything you can think of. When I ask people, what, are they, what do you believe about the world? What do you believe? They're like, I don't know. I just I think that there's a God. I don't know who it is. I don't know what it is, but this is what I think it might be or or whatever. Or, you know, it's just it's it's really it's really sad out there. It's really sad what's going on and all these people that they have no faith in anything because they're not told. They're not taught in church. You know, I talked to a lot of kids who were like, oh, I was raised in the church, but I don't think I believe it. I'm like, well, what do they teach you in church? What do they teach you? How do you go to heaven? Like, what do they teach you about life? And they're like, I don't know. Like, I just... I feel like I didn't learn anything. And I'm like, well, how do you go to church and not learn anything? Well, like he's saying, these pastors aren't preaching the word. They're not preaching what people need to hear for salvation. They're not preaching about Jesus and the gospel. None of these kids even know what the gospel message is. None of these kids knew Jesus died for their sins. They thought he was just a good teacher who died. These are all things that should be fundamental and basic. Fundamental and basic. The gospel message should be a part of every sermon. That's why my dad gives a gospel message in every sermon. That's why. Because he wants to make sure none of you guys are walking out of the church without hearing the gospel. That's what all churches should be like. But that's what none of them are like. None of them. So, I don't know. What else? 
That's good. Okay. Well, that's it. So, again, um, yeah. Go right there and evangelize. Okay. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, he's had some very exciting things happening. And I just want to wrap up by with prayer and, and to say, have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you put your faith in Jesus? And if you have, are you grounded? Are you fighting tooth and nail spiritually for those, your family and others? Are you sharing your faith? Are we, are we, do we realize we're in a spiritual war? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? Maybe you have been asleep, asleep on, on the job. We have not been prepared. We haven't been preparing ourselves for what we're going to be facing in this country, what we are facing, what we're going to be facing in this world. Maybe, maybe your, God is convicting you to really get grounded and deep in the Word and, 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 and to be a spiritual leader for your family and to be spiritual parents to your children, to impact all those around you spiritually. How is God speaking to you? And while we're praying about that, maybe you're here listening to this and you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never given your life to Him. You are the spiritually blind. You are under demonic control. You are you are being lied to by the world and, and believing everything. And 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 how is God, but today the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart and you're ready to give your life to Jesus. Giving your life to Jesus. You can do that right now. The prayer of faith. The prayer of faith, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. The prayer of faith, God, I believe in Jesus. I believe He died for my sin on that cross. He paid for my sin. I believe in Him. I put my faith in Jesus. I repent of that sin. I walk away from that sin. Anything that in my life that goes against your will, against your word, I repent of that. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus who died for me, paid the price for me, broke the power of sin for me. I put my faith in Him. I give my life to Jesus. Father, I pray that each person who hears this will have made sure that they have life in Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have prayed to put your faith in Jesus, you have a brand new life. Just as Jesus came alive from the dead, you have just come alive from the dead in His power. You have a brand new life. You have His Spirit living inside of you. You have to get into the Word now and live it. And I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Get connected with a church or Bible study. Uh, get And let somebody know, whether it's a family member or a friend or you know of another Christian in your life, tell them what you've done. Get connected. And if you need help, email me, nhcc at comcast.net. I'll get you connected somewhere. I'll look till I find someone to help you grow spiritually, okay? All right, God bless. Bye-bye.